are you? I'm good, thanks, Mel. Looking forward to today's conversation with another Melanie. So this could get a little confusing at some points. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be. So I have known our next guest for, I reckon, about 20 years. So I'm really excited to have her on. And we have Melanie Duffus, who is the Head of Payroll Europe at ASOP. So hi, Melanie. Nice to see you. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Graham. Nice to be here. Hi there. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Melanie, let's just, I want to start by just cast your mind back and think about your first ever payslip. Not the first one you processed, but the first one you ever received. What were you doing when you got your first payslip? Okay. Um, I would probably, I think I'd probably say, God, insurance. I was an insurance clerk working for United Friendly uh, Insurance Company many, many years ago. And um, yeah, that's where I was working. What I thought, I was like, what's this complicated piece of paper that I've been given? And I'm quite a detailed orientated person. So I wanted to understand the makeup of it. Um, So I spoke to the payroll team and they told me about it. I was quite intrigued. And I guess that kind of pivoted my career into payroll. Very interesting. Do you remember what you spent that first paycheck on? Yeah, um, clothes. Clothes. <laughs> awesome. <That's>, uh, <laughs> and clothes. where in the world were you at that point in time? You were an insurance clerk at United Friendly, but where in yeah, the world was that? That's London. Right. North London, UK. North London, UK. Excellent. So there's your first pay slip, your first big paycheck. You go out and buy yourself some clothes and then you go, hang on a second, there's a tax man there and there's other questions. Let me go and understand. Let me go and understand why. Yeah. So so that by a, a route led you into to payroll. So perhaps you could share with the listeners what you're doing now. What's your role today? And then we'll talk about how you got there. Great. Um, so I'm currently uh, interim head of payroll, which is a retail brand. And um, I got approached um, and I was actually brought in under a year contract to have a deep dive to understand what's going on. Um, and I guess that's kind of where where I'm at now, um, I've been offered a permanent role there, which I've accepted. Congratulations. So, thank you. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in retail. And if I think back over my career, it, when I first landed into payroll, it would have been, God, many years ago, early 90s, uh, working in a team of five, um, doing payroll for a recruitment agency. And at that time, we were, um, it was just, literally keying data into the system, pay code, hourly rates, charge codes, processing timesheets for the logistics, uh, logistical business and um, yeah, billing and doing the client billing at the same time. And from there, I guess I grew an interest into wanting to understand a little bit more about what's involved in payroll, not just a pay rate and a charge rate mm. and an hourly rate and a bill to a client, but what makes up the payroll? How do we calculate tax? And I guess from there is where it really kind of pivoted into me wanting to understand more about what payroll mm. is, what it does, how does it how does a taxman take away so much from our pay each month? <laughs> and just working that out. So I spent a lot of time behind the scenes while I was in that role, looking at the HMR website, looking at the tax tables, and just wanting to manually work out pay slips to understand what the numbers were. Back in the 90s, uh, we had like a 
a dot matrix system, I guess, where you're just logging into a black and green screen and calculating information. And I wanted to know, okay, if this number spits out a figure and I ever get a query, can I look behind the scenes of that query and give the real answers to what's going on? And that's what intrigued me. Did you have a love of numbers at school? No. (laughs) (laughs) To be perfectly honest, no. I'm not great on the numbers, but I am on the detail and I think that's what drove drove it for me. So you've got you've got this um it's a really interesting place to start actually in your recruitment business because it sounds like it was contractors and others. So you're you're not only working out what you're paying them, but what that's then costing the client and billing the client, if if I understood correctly. Yeah. Um so you do that for a period of time. You sound like a really curious person. So you're digging in, you're on the HMRC website, working out the tax tables, manual calculations. That might shock a few listeners yes. <laughs> in terms of the early 90s doesn't feel that long ago to me, but I'm guessing it was quite a while ago now. Yeah. Um, so at what point did did you then think, OK, I've, I've got this right. I understand what I'm doing today and I need a new challenge or I want to grow. And that led to a change in role. Yeah. So um I, the role title at the team was like payroll administrator and I wanted to grow and learn more exactly. And I applied for another role at the time. To be honest with you, Graham, it's vague as to what roles went on from there. But the most pivotal roles I can think about is where I landed at Westfield, which um, was a, you know, the big shopping centre Westfield at the time. And I went there in the early 2000s and did payroll and was a payroll and compensation benefit um, officer there. And I think from there, it kind of grew into, okay, now I'm getting the time to understand the payroll. And I think payrollers on a whole have to have something really niche that they're good at in doing payroll. Mm. And for me, it was about, okay, get away from being behind the door, punching those numbers and be client facing to your, your stakeholders. And that was really key for me. And for me, it was about meeting my stakeholders if they've got a pay query, being able to talk them through that pay query and have the Excel evidence to prove that, oh, your pay slip's correct because here's the manual calculations for those that wanted to know it mm. and here it's worked. So I think that paid in my favor, being detailed and being able to give that satisfaction that actually we understand and know what we're doing. We're not just punching numbers into a system. We understand the methodology of those calculations was really satisfying for me because it built relationships and built trust. Mm. And that, I mean, that was a brand that was growing quite quickly at that time, if I recall, opening opening new retail giant yes. spaces. And um, so did that give you any particular challenges in terms of working for a fast growing business? Um, I guess, yeah. I think at the time being responsible for the compensation side as well as the payroll piece, it was absolutely challenging and they grow, they grew exponential over a very short period of time. Uh, when I came on board at Westfield, um, the Westfield Stratford site was under development. And I think it was Westfield London first was under development. And that role saw us grow as a business internally in terms of HR transformation and change and systems and processes. And um, just managing that headcount, managing a team to be able to understand the key intricates of like making sure we could deliver at a steady pace of the growth of that business. Um, and yeah, it, it was quite rapid and, and very varied. Hmm. Do you do you remember sort of how many people you were managing payroll for when you joined? And one other person at the time. It was one person at the time, um, and we were, I guess, on one thousand five hundred. But I left 
Westfield prior to the opening of Westfield uh, Stratford sorry so just at that pivotal point I mean it was a huge number of corporate employees when you think of Westfield they're not really a retail business they're a property Mm. business Uh, they lease um, space in malls so ultimately in that role my key focus was paying monthly paid employees so albeit Mm. the numbers were pretty high at that time it was absolutely manageable yeah between two and and Obviously, that was a, a big, it's a big international brand, if I recall. And but you were looking at their UK footprint. So yes, uh, is your has your focus always been single country in UK? Or have you? Sort no, of it kind and- of moved after Westfield, I was made redundant of at Westfield, and decided and I was there for four and a half years, that kind of hit me a little bit. So I decided that I was kind of stay out the permanent role space and look at contracting. And I think that's was the pivot board for um the change in what I did. So I went into different companies. I worked quite closely with people that used ADP as a system and kind of worked with configurations, fixing reconciliation. It was almost became like a fixing role where I went in, look at the communication and work streams flows between the HR, the payroll, look at where things were breaking down and where the gaps were and filling those gaps. So I guess that was, it moved on to kind of, having that ability to work across different kind of industries mm. and being exposed to different ways of working. Yeah. And did you, we were, we, we chatted with a, a payroll recently who does that under the guise of their own business. So was that you set up your own business or you're just contracting yep. through agencies or how, I, how did it work? A, for you? a little bit of both actually. So it depended on what they wanted as an arrangement uh, where there was an umbrella service. I did that and where it was fixed term contracts. I did that, but I really did enjoy it. And and had an energy of, okay, I've fixed it, we move on to the next thing. And I really enjoyed that. And so that 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 sounds one of the things that's always fascinating about payroll people's background is is often they just fall into it. And this was something Mel said in the early days when I when I first met her, people fall into payroll and then they stay. Um but then they grow and, and learn and, and develop. And there's always sort of one or two pivotal experiences along that journey. It sounds like being made redundant, although that hits everyone hard when it happens and is a horrible, uncomfortable experience, it sounds like that was a real pivot point for you into something new and exciting. And and that's up until recently very much then what you've been doing, helping transform, helping change, and, and maybe what you're doing at, at, in the new role. Yeah, absolutely. I found that to be my my niche. You know, every, I feel that everybody, when I interview payroll candidates now, I'm like, what is it that you're really good at? Because there's got to be something within the payroll space that you do really well. That for me is like being able to spot the red flag, seeing the gaps in processes is where I find my strength. And yeah, I really, really enjoy it. Seeing the change and that transformation. So if that was one defining experience, is there another one? Has there been another moment where you've sort of said, hey, this is this is going to send me in a new direction or this has been a huge learning opportunity, you know, maybe maybe a first exposure to global, for example, or something along those lines? Yeah. So um, you the next the role that I went on to do, I mean, it kind of was advertised as a fixed term. It ended up turning into a permanent role. It was a global role. We were looking at APAC. Um, some Australian payroll, bit of US payroll, um, and it had about 25 different countries. Um, the exposure in there was huge. But I guess for me, 
I kind of felt that my I, I drew more to the Emir region because it was so complex mm-hmm. and so large. And having a detailed character, you can't methodically kind of log all the variations that happen across market. It can be quite meaty. Um, and I guess for me, like moving around and getting the opportunity of exposure and experience in those types of industry, you kind of find where you're where you position yourself. And yes, I did want to grow because I was quite young at the time, but you, you kind of know where your boundaries are. And for me, you know, I'm quite comfortable operating in the European market. That way I can master that and keep it there for me. So how did you learn? Because the European market is obviously more than just the UK and it's yeah. in your early days, you're on the HMR webs- HMRC website. Um, how do you learn about the French market or the German market or the broader EMEA country and opportunities um, if you don't speak the language of each of those countries, yeah. for example? I mean, there's two sources, really. Um, I tend to lean on in-country payroll providers Mm -hmm. um, that were offering that service because they're in the market. They are the most knowledgeable. And then when you're if you're fortunate to have a payroll officer in your team that is managing a payroll that understands that market inside out, which I had, you learn from them, you know. And for me, like I often for the team that we had across Europe, only one had been working in the Paris office. But for me, it was, okay, let's build a matrix that's useful for everybody. So we want to know the onboarding, the offboarding processes in each market, deregistration. And we created a matrix of all of this information and learnings because you can ask as much questions to the ICP that you need, make a note of that, store it somewhere. So we've got a point of reference. And for me, it was about pulling on that resource documenting those processes so we can draw back to it and building on that Mm. that's a really there's a really good takeaway there in terms of you know asking all the questions but maybe only asking them once and then making sure that you've got it that you've got it documented yeah and and so when you think about all the people that you worked with over that period is there anyone who kind of stands out in your experience as having been a great person to work with or a great leader who helped you develop or challenged you in new and interesting ways? Yeah, I, yeah, there is um, a leader that I had um, back in 2000 that I would say um, her style and her approach was very different. It was very personable. Um, She wanted to understand what I did, what the intricacies of my role were, what pressure she took the time to want to understand what we're delivering and she came down onto that personal level and went into wanting to understand and know me as a person and what I do. And I think from she, once we achieved that, then in terms of understanding the work that we had to deliver as a team, she was supporting that. And she pushed me forward to have those conversations with leadership if there were any decisions to make that impacted payroll. Nobody was talking on behalf of payroll at that time. She would push me forward to have those conversations. So it was almost like she had believed, she understood what we did. She appreciated what we did, believed in what I did and what my team did and supported that. And that was key for me. And was she a, a payroll person or a finance She wasn't. She was global operations. So okay. she managed the operations between payroll sat under her role as well as HR and HRIS. And I think it's really interesting as we've talked about the evolution of, of payroll. I mean, you said early on that you decided to get out from behind the door and meet people and talk to people and, and look at the process. And, and that's obviously not just the individuals whose pay slips they have questions about and pulling out the Excel and showing them that the calculations yeah. are right. But also the other people in the business getting your head up and, and looking out 
the same way this operations leader seemed to be mm. championing, we need a voice for payroll. So yes. how did you find that transition when, when, when payroll goes out and starts talking to the rest of the business? Does it does it get a warm reception in your experience or does the rest of the business say, oh, hello, why are payroll coming to talk to me? <laughs> I, I get, probably initially, but I mean, when you've got somebody that's speaking the language on an operational level that the rest of the business understands, that opens the door, so to speak. So you absolutely need to have somebody in the business that really understands and recognizes what you do and what you're delivering. And once you've got that backing, I think it opens the door and things have changed a lot. I mean, from where it was back then to not understanding, oh, why is payroll here to, okay, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. And I think payroll has also evolved in being able to speak another language, right? Before we were just focused on the detail and the methodical approach and we need that data and it needs to be accurate, but then we have to step out of that to be heard. And for me and my team, that's the approach and style that I've taken forward from that leader to be able to speak a language that they understand. What do they need to know? What rings true to them? And converting the payroll language into something that they can understand. Can you give a, an example of that? Something that you know a payroller would instantly get in a conversation, but you almost have to translate for the wider business. The mindset of the business or some of the people in the business, oh, okay, payroll has always done this. Payroll has always given us this information. We've always had to feed up and provide the information that really should be fed down. So how do we get to change those mindsets? I think that you have to speak the language that they understand. And one of the challenging things were was talking to them about collaborating, talking to them about the information they share and the journey that it takes to get it to where it needs to be. And sometimes we take for granted that they understand that and they absolutely don't sometimes in some businesses. So I think you definitely need to kind of be visual, you know, your audience and work to the things that resonate with them is the way you can get the wins. And for us right now, we're looking at transforming the way in which our uh, HR information is shared with payroll, but in order to be able to do that and get the wins that we need, we need to talk about the journey of that data. Where does it go? What does it look like? How do we get it to come out with an accurate payslip? What did we do? And once they understand that, they're almost like eyes wide open, like, okay, we had no idea. Then we can tighten up our processes. And you've got to share information. So in my team, one of the another examples is that we've put together a matrix to say, okay, if you're hiring this inf a person, you want to consider that there's registrations in that market. So you need to think like, okay, hiring, what do I need to factor in? And if you're giving that as a visual, here's what we need. These are the markets. These are the registration requirements in those markets. And we're sharing that information with them, making us, I think collaborating is where, where it needs to work and where it can work if you're able to do that. And, and do, you think, do you think the tools that the payroll professional has today in terms of data analytics and visualization help with that? Are there any recommendations you would have in terms of, um, you know, can you do it all in Excel or are there other, you know, special analytics tool sets and, and resources that you and your team are using? Um, no, there isn't. And it is all <laughs> in Excel. I mean, there's this software called BI. I was asking about the other day, business intelligence, I think it's called in my, mm -hmm. it is a standalone system, but I think for what payroll need and what they need to provide, 
you can get some of that information from your vendor, depending on the type of software they're using and if they're doing any analytical reporting. But you're just, you're talking to get that picture. You've almost got to build it out in Excel. Mm. And and so you're in retail now, and that's I mean retail's I had a, a very should we say interesting couple of years in terms of the high street being open, high street being closed, lockdowns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, it's for many industries kind of COVID thrust payroll into a, a spotlight. What's been your experience of that over the last couple of years? And and how do you think it's going to shape over the next couple of years? Yeah, from a, um, I guess for me, um, Westfield was my, uh, sorry, not Westfield, uh, where I was before at Tapestry. That was my first exposure to real retail payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, it impacted us quite significantly. Um, a lot of the stores had to close down um therefore a lot of our countries and brands had to to kind of downsize then you had the furlough scheme that we had to pull together and work on um i think the there were disadvantages in that time as well as odd advantages for the for the ways of working things have shifted so much Mm -hmm. in terms of delivering a payroll whilst being at home, you know, and people have been able to maintain that. And it's very hard to move back from that now because we can know that we can still operate. We still can function. Yeah, there's gaps and there are things that fall short because you don't necessarily have that environment today, but there's ways around it. There's ways around it. And I definitely think that, um, yeah, it hit a lot of people hard. A lot of people were made redundant within the business. There was big restructures going on. Um, the team definitely operated in the same way they would with any other payroll, but the volume was high. We had to go out to market, speak to um, local IPCs, I, uh, ICPs, because different rules of furlough across Europe um, had to be considered and, mm. and, and managed and firstly understood. So, you know, how does it operate? What do we need to do? Is it off the payroll? Is it through the payroll? It was a lot to learn in a really short space of time. And having the capability of pulling on those resources is what was key for us. Mm. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. No, you did. And 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 Mel, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, we've done a number of these podcasts through the, what I'm now referring to as the COVID years after hearing that the other day, <laughs> like in the phrase. But I have this mental image of the last couple of years of payroll professionals sort of just working in isolation to 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 get the organization where it needs to be whilst you know some people are furloughed and some people are restructured the the workload on payroll just increased and you just had to to deliver um it's interesting that you say it's tough then going back so return to office the the kind of change in work environment do you think payrollers the next generation of payrollers or the generation coming through now will expect to work from anywhere as 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 part of that I do, actually. I think um, so. One one of the things that uh, we've come across is, you know, during COVID years, everyone was, you know, isolated, I think, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, you know, stress and everything else. And I don't think people necessarily recovered from the COVID years yet because there's been more and more stuff. You know, if you process UK payrolls, I mean, what's been going on over the last couple of months, you know, is... Um, and it still hasn't finished, has it? Because it's still going to happen on the 17th of November. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, political circumstances. So I don't think there's been that downtime for um, payroll uh, professionals. However, um, I, I personally think that the next generation coming in will expect to work from anywhere. But there has been some research to say that they want to come into the office. Um, 
and it's our generation, Melanie and Graham, okay. <laughs> that, that want to work from home. But I, And I think if you think about it, actually, that was, you know, in my 20s and 30s, that was, they were my social years, weren't they, at work? You know, that's where you socialised and you grew and you found your confidence. And that would be quite hard, I would imagine, if you worked from home. So, um, so yes, I do think they, they expect to have a hybrid working environment. Um, research says they do want to go back into the office. However, when I used to uh, work with Melanie a long time ago when we were in recruitment or when I was in recruitment, um, if Melanie had said 10 years ago, I want a job working from home, we would say no chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance that you get. And we used to have people asking all the time, I want to be able to work from home. We'll be like, there's no chance. You know, you, you 20, 20 years ago, 10, five years, you know, five years ago, it would never happen. So we have had this huge, dramatic uh, change in, in the world. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what the next five years is like. But payroll as a department has never been had, never had the opportunity to work from home, even pre-COVID or post-COVID, right? No, pre-COVID, other departments were working from home. Payroll had to be there. It was like there was no, there was no trust. Yeah, because you had all the sensitive data. So even like I remember before COVID happened and um, people complaining about working in an open office, you know, and their payroll, you yeah. know, just all the things that, you know, people were getting angry about. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and it, everything changed, didn't it? Everything. And then, Everything changed and then payroll could prove that they could process payrolls from home, still be confidential, you know, still, still, um, you know, manage to do it on time. And normally when you when you have something major happens, you normally hear of horror stories. And I have not heard of one horror story in those two years. It's amazing. You know, if mm. you think about, you know, all the legislation for anyway, I could go on and on. But it, it is pretty amazing that there's no horror stories as well from that time. I think the industry as a whole did a did a remarkable job over the last last couple of years. Oh. But it, it it is interesting, Melanie, as you think about you know your role as a manager now and developing future talent. Mm. To to Mel's point about you know the younger generation, there's real value in being in a workplace, learning. You know, again, I'm I'm struck with this picture of you getting out from behind the desk and going and talking to people. Um, you know that. So how do you how do you think about your teams? How do you manage differently in that environment? It's tricky. It is tricky. Um, I think when you've got good people in your team that you trust and are passionate about, you know, delivering a sound service, they will make the right decisions to be working at the right times. I am. Um, you've got to allow them to have that maturity to know that. The payroll is your priority when delivering it around key times. So I think that starts at inception. I think it starts at recruitment and setting the scenes and asking the right questions and looking at the characters and understanding and throwing scenarios at them. But I've been touch wood, really fortunate that I've had really good teams that are conscientious workers that want to deliver and want to provide payroll services on time. We do have a hybrid arrangement at the moment and we all come in one day a week but in times of where the payroll's busy I'm quite happy for them to be at home and I think it's treating them like an adult treat them as an adult and and you know they know what you're driving for and if we've all got a common goal and we're working at the same level I think everybody will just kind of step up to that. When you work from home as well I think if people aren't pulling their weight you can tell it the and 
I think it highlights it almost even more, doesn't it? Well, the little yellow light comes on, doesn't it? Say, so <laughs> away for 15 minutes, and then you check again, away for two hours. <laughs> yeah, there's always a way of checking. I mean, you'll know because the work would slip, but you're not going to go to those, have those difficult, com- well, I've never had to have those conversations about, you know, where were you? What were you doing? The payroll is being delivered. It's been delivered accurately on time. And now we're at home. We've got the ability to manage our time. We're not going to message our boss and say, oh, I've got a doctor appointment. You know, I'll be away from an hour. You'll do it, navigate around those time scales yourself. But once you're delivering, that's all that really matters. That's that's for me. That's what's important for me. And it is just so visible in terms of delivery as a function and as an area. Um, that You know, it's it's very visible when something goes wrong or is delayed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's almost the ultimate by results profession in that sense. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a fascinating pathway that you've, you've taken and, you know, looking back, what, what advice would you give your younger self or, or what, what might you change if you were to go through it again? Gosh, would I be pompous to say very little? <laughs> Um, no, to be fair, um, I think that leader that I had allowed me to look at things very, very differently and treat people as people. And that was key. That was a key takeaway from me. I get personal with my team. We work on a personal level. Um, we respect each other. We're clear on ex- uh, um, expectations. And I think collaborating is where sometimes the payroll function against other departments can fall down. And I want to repair that because if we build those and forge those strong relationships with other stakeholders, HR, finance, depending on wherever you're sat and who that main sort of business stakeholder is, you've got to break those barriers down. You've got to come behind the desk. You've got to be able to have those conversations and payroll people were quite difficult to do that. They're analytical, they're detailed, they're mainly introverted. So how do we change that and and make it more like an open door thing? And I'm pushing my team forward. I'm like, you're processing the payroll in that market. You're the best knowledgeable person to have that conversation, not me, you. So I'm putting them on that pedestal and saying, have that conversation that raises your profile, builds your respect, and, and therefore you take control of the area that you own. And that's always been my style. And it's pushed them to go on to bigger, better things to my detriment. But I'm never going to, you know, penalize progression. It's mm. definitely something that I'm really happy for and encourage. Mm. And when Mel suggested this this podcast, it was very specifically about women in leadership in in payroll. Yeah. Um, and in your experience as a woman leader, do you find differences in attitude um, or you know, either to the stakeholders around you or within your teams across genders? Is, is, is that a thing that you're aware of in the, the sectors that you've worked in? Um, I guess, yeah, but we've come a long way. We've come a long way since then. So I don't think I see it as much. And it also depends on the business and the mindset and the company you work for. And, you know, is it fairly, what's the leadership look like when you look at a business? You know, is there an equal amount of male and female in that leadership platform that you can aspire to or look up to? And, you know, what's their mindset like? And are you, when you're talking to someone, are they engaged with you? Are they looking at you? Do you feel that level of respect that they care about what you say? That depends on 
the type of business that you work for, if I'm really honest. It does mm. exist. It's still there. But I think you can really, well, see that if you look behind the doors before you go into a role and want to understand and ask those questions, you'll see whether you'll be accepted as a female in that industry to lead the function that you've been brought in to lead. It's mm. quite evident in an interview process, you can pick it up. Right. And, I, and I think it's, there's so much power for the payroll professional in this job market at the moment as well, where, you know, where everybody looks forward through the industry and the number of people who've taken early retirement or left the industry because of all the pressures of the last couple of years. So I think that's really great advice to be able to look behind the doors because remembering that you have a choice about Absolutely. where you work and the kind of environment you want to work in. And then you as a leader being really conscious of creating the right environment for the for the talent that you want to attract and the, the skills you need to bring into your team. Yeah, for sure. I think collaboration is key. That's a big word for me in payroll, in my life, in what I do as in my role. You've got to speak. You've got to come down or go up to the language that they understand. For many years, um, the experience for me is payroll was not really heard Mm-hmm. Only unless something went wrong, it was a thankless task that, you know, that you just are left to get on with it. But I definitely believe that a seat is needed at the table for our voices to be heard, but not only just to be heard, but heard in a way that they understand. Because if they don't understand, they're just shut down. It's got to make sense to them. Right. So mm-hmm. it's key. Great, great advice. So we're we're coming we're coming to the end of our, our our time. There's a couple of other things I just want to um, touch on. It, it, on a career so varied, what's been the the sort of your your greatest achievement in work or out of work? But what are you most proud of having achieved? Um, I think it would have been the huge transformation that we did, uh, where we changed payroll providers at the retail company that I worked for before, and you know we built. I, built that from really one payroll person to a team of six. We transitioned 14 countries across to one payroll provider that was had a global presence. Um, it took 18 months, but it, at the end, the payroll provider had commended us because they had said they'd never seen an implementation run as so smoothly and as so perfectly as this. And it was, we went down, we had work streams and I insisted that we had work streams across each function, albeit payroll, HR, finance, the officers were involved in the implementation. We had the local ICP on the call and we were clear on what our expectations were in that market. And we had our hands held right from the start to the finish, right through hypercare. And I think one of my great wins was being able to deliver that. It's still going quite strong right now. And that's testimony for the time invested in you know supporting the team, giving them a voice because they're in that market and delivering. It's having the right people in at the right time. And the right voices heard. So I think that was a huge accomplishment for me. And terrific example for for this audience and, and this world, because you know there's so many different ways that people can think about global payroll and how to approach it. You know, in-house, outsourced, network of partners that you manage yourselves, aggregator models, single vendor, um, and and I think the world becomes more complex each time yeah. we we look at it. But at the same time, there's some some time proven truths there, being prepared, knowing what you want from the transformation, having a really clear plan for the transformation proves that it can be delivered successfully, that it can work um, effectively for a business. So thank you for sharing that. That's that's um, it's interesting to hear. 
Um, and then my other question, um, just for, for fun and giggles, um, what do you do outside of, of work? What do you do to relax? We've had some lovely different stories. My life's very mundane in comparison to some of the folks we talk to here. <laughs> um, so I always say pay, payroll people aren't really creative, they're methodical, but for me, I bake cakes. I make cakes. I have an Instagram page and I um, make cakes where Fantastic. I can be creative. So that's what I do in my spare time. So uh, Bake Off fan then? Are that's you huge. <laughs> any, any baking pro- program like Bake Off, what's the other one? Master Chef. I love them all. Awesome. At one point, I'll have to find out how you make those cakes that look like something else, but that's not for today's <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so look, it's been absolutely fabulous to, to, to meet you. Mel, was there anything we, we forgot or didn't cover that, that we should? No, it's, it's been great. I just love looking at your career, Melanie, because you have worked for some, I would say, some stinking industries, <laughs> really, <laughs> really, really hard industries. Um, and I think, you know, maybe starting off in recruitment, knowing what that's like to to work in, maybe that set you up being able to deal with most of the industries you've worked in. So, yeah, um, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been fantastic, Melanie. And thanks, Graham. Um, it's been a really interesting session. and some really good bits of advice as well. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.